For the second straight year, it sure looks like Missouri is going to move its football opener to Thursday night. Plus, did Dennis Gates go too hard after Caden Shedrick? Let's discuss all of this and more coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And thanks, as always, for making Locked on Mizzou your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including now on the SiriusXM app, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And thanks to our newest sponsor, Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnCollege. And when you enter the promo code LockedOnCollege, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. And again, as I pointed it out in the cold open there, by all accounts, it sure looks like Missouri is going to move up its opener once again. First reported here, by Ben Arnett yesterday, one of my old journalism, not classmates, but I guess he was one one class ahead of me. Let's put it that way. We were stomping around Neff Hall around the same time. But again, according to Ben Arnett over at KOMU, Missouri's opener against South Dakota, apparently they're exploring this once again, again, moving the game originally scheduled on September 2nd, Saturday, of course, to Thursday, August 31st. Obviously a night move. Number one, I applaud this for a number of different reasons. Number one, just weather-wise, that time of year, a night game is obviously preferable. Number two, even if you said, hey, well, the game last year only got 47,000 people before that Thursday night showdown against Louisiana Tech, Hey, fair enough, but I got to say, I I think you'd have been a few thousand less than that even, a few thousand fewer people, I should say, than that, if you go to a Saturday-type game, because let's face it, a lot of people, Mizzou students are relatively local. They're maybe from St. Louis, Kansas City, Lake of the Ozarks, wherever it might be, or maybe they just want to take a trip down to the lake for the weekend, skip what should be a laugher for Missouri. you got to hope for Missouri football they can shut down South Dakota. But again, I, I just think this is a win all the way around and a little bit more of exposure on television quite possibly for Missouri as well. So I think maybe if there's some naysayers on this, I think the fact that Missouri and Desiree Reed-Francois, her administration, obviously pushing for this once again, I'd say it was a success by their measurement. It was definitely a fun crowd, if not the biggest crowd of the year, that's for sure. The students showed up, again, much more, I think, than they would have for a Saturday game. So to me, this is a win all the way around if it indeed happens, and apparently this is basically pending SEC approval. We are still in the exploration phase, but the conference would have to put its stamp on it. From the SEC's perspective, I can't honestly believe that they would care one way or the other. Again, this is week one. This isn't going to be affecting anybody really whatsoever in terms of football scheduling or anything like that. It's going to be, you know, maybe SEC Plus streamed, something like that. It's not as though it's going to be competing with some other game that was already scheduled 
on a Thursday night. So from the SEC's perspective, Missouri, South Dakota can't exactly be at the top of the docket. I got to think this goes through. So if I'm a betting man, yeah, put a lot of money on Missouri's opener being Thursday this year. Again, for the fans moving forward, let's just make this a tradition. So we're not, you know, a few months out. I know a lot of people make plans ahead of time, that type of thing. So in the future, let's just try to make this, if we can, a tradition for the Tigers. I would kind of enjoy that, quite honestly. Plus, there's one other factor here that I almost neglected to mention. Of course, Eli Drinkwitz famous for pushing the spring game farther back, further back to the point where, well, we didn't even have a live spring game because the weather was that uncooperative. So, and of course, the reasoning behind that, Injury recovery time before the season. Well, it can't hurt to have a couple more days to recover before the Kansas State game, right? Before week two. So, again, if you're Missouri, hey, this sounds like a good thing to me. Oh, and by the way, quick correction here. As soon as I said that, I was like, wait a second. Missouri played Kansas State in week two last season, but no, this season we're playing the Wildcats in week three at Faroe Field, so excuse me there. Still, the point remains a couple more days for injury recovery, a couple more days for preparation for, well, Middle Tennessee State, who, while, again, Missouri hopefully wins that game comfortably, we've seen before, not too long ago, Middle Tennessee came to Faroe Field and won. If I'm Eli Drinkwitz, obviously I'm pounding that theme the entire week, so I don't have a team that's possibly complacent in week two. And when it comes to Tiger basketball, I don't think anyone can accuse Dennis Gates and his staff of being complacent on the recruiting trail, that's for sure. But it does seem like some people, you know, certainly with the benefit of hindsight, are saying, hey, maybe Dennis Gates went a little bit too hard after Caden Shedrick, the former Virginia transfer who who ended up with the Texas Longhorns. Well, in my humble opinion, I think Shedrick was worth it. I think you know, just statistically without being able to do a deep dive scouting wise, obviously into every transfer in the country, you just looked at his pedigree on paper, his statistical profile. It seemed like he was a fairly unique player, one that could provide the type of rebounding and paint protection defensively that Dennis Gates and a lot of Missouri fans are desiring what right now from a big guy, but also able to step out and play the game a little bit too, shoot the basketball and not just be a complete stiff offensively. And, you know, that type of player that I just described, as I alluded to earlier, they're not exactly easy to find. They don't grow on trees. So when you have a potential difference maker like that, a big guy, somebody who would really fill a Kobe Brown potential-sized hole in your roster, I think you push your chips in and you go for it. And to me, He's a difference maker more so than even a guy like Jimmy Bell, the West Virginia transfer who ended up at Mississippi State, or Jamarian Sharp, who quite possibly is going to end up at Ole Miss. We'll see. Maybe he ends up in the NBA draft ultimately as well. But again, just so much focus on what Missouri couldn't do this past offseason, in my opinion, which is, of course, rebound the basketball. They were very mediocre at best in terms of rebounding last year. I'll certainly grant you that, but not nearly enough focus on what Missouri did spectacularly well, especially offensively, 
shooting-wise, ball handling, just a complete 180-degree turnaround from what we saw the previous season, Conzo Martin's last one in Columbia. And to that point about rebounding, well, I don't think Missouri is punting rebounding next season at all. At least, I'm going to give you my take on the glass next season coming up. But first, I want to tell you about our new sponsor. That's Bird Dogs. And I got to tell you, since it is getting to be summertime, I've got a personal goal that is starting right now. For the rest of the summer, as much as possible, I either want to be wearing golf clothes or swim trunks. I either want to be on the golf course or in a pool. But of course, there's some in between. You got to do some yard work, maybe go to a meeting, all that good stuff. Well, I'm telling you, the bird dogs I got sent the other day in terms of a couple new pairs of shorts, they can do all that. They're incredibly versatile. Swim trunks. They're also good enough to go to the country club and play 18 as well. I'm telling you, these things, one other part I love about it, zip pockets on both sides. Also, no back pockets. Who even uses the back pocket anymore? We all know that messes up your back, right? Well, I'm telling you, Bird Dogs has thought of absolutely everything. So go to birddogs.com slash college, and when you enter the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. Again, that's birddogs.com slash Locked on college. Use that promo code locked on college. Thanks for making locked on Mizzou your first listen every day. And for you, everydayers, coming up in the final segment and moving forward, you know what? I'm going to talk about the Nuggets and the Lakers series in the final segment whenever they have a game because, darn it, they have Michael Porter Jr. And if that's not a good enough Missouri tie-in for you, well, I guess you can just skip through those final segments. But I think you're going to have a lot of fun with them. I know I will. But obviously it wasn't a lot of fun at times last season watching Missouri get killed on the glass. Despite a 25-win season, first win in the NCAA tournament in over a decade, well, that got a lot of old-school fans in particular frustrated. And listen... I get it. Heck, I led my high school basketball team in rebounding one year. I'm not dismissing the importance of rebounding. Obviously, a defensive possession is not over until you get the rebound. If you give up rebounds endlessly, give up offensive boards, well, it's going to be a long night in a lot of cases, no matter how good you are on the other end. But having said that, I do think Missouri's Lack of rebounding last year has been a little bit overstated. I've seen people say that, well, Missouri was one of the worst rebounding teams in the country last year. Well, that's not quite accurate. I think I've seen numbers where Missouri's in the 200s or so, but let's remember there's 350-plus Division I basketball teams. Now, if you want to break that down into the Power Five, maybe they were among the worst Power Five. Certainly they were among the absolute bottom of the barrel in the SEC. So I'm not trying to run from this whatsoever. And if I'm the coach, if I'm Dennis Gates, here's what I'm not doing. I'm not punting on rebounding next season, as I've seen some fans suggest online. That's not what Missouri's doing, by the way. There's no way that's that's Missouri's strategy. 
And certainly, I don't think Missouri next season is going to lead the SEC in rebounding by any stretch of the imagination. But again, if I'm the coach, here's what we're going to do. We're going to box out and we're going to fight. That's going to be my philosophy. And that includes the guys on the perimeter, by the way, especially in 2023. I just see way too often, this isn't just Missouri, this is throughout all of basketball, including the NBA, you know, guys just kind of fall asleep on the perimeter and don't bother just turning around and simply getting at least a hand on the guy so you know where he is before you go and get that defensive rebound, or at least do that and let somebody else clean it up so, you know, these guys don't get these long rebounds. Again, that was my point by saying 2023. So many three-pointers are shot today. Well, guess what results in long rebounds? Lots of three-pointers. So guards, wake up. You're going to need to be a little bit more on it in terms of defensive rebounding. I know that's not something that is necessarily worked on at the AAU levels or even the high school basketball with your high school coaches at public school or whatever it is, especially if you're one of the stars of the team on the perimeter. Well, they're probably not yelling at you to rebound necessarily, but for Missouri next season in particular, this is probably going to be, have to be a team effort. Now, despite the fact that Missouri is certainly probably going to be a little bit undersized inside, at least in terms of traditional bigs. There is a lot of length on this team next year. Plenty of guys who, again, three men, two men, guys on the perimeter who actually have some length. I'm you know, thinking guys like Trent Pierce, for instance, the true freshman who's coming in. I mean, here's a guy who's six foot eight. You know, he's kind of a perimeter-oriented offensive player. Well, he better get used to at least trying hard on the defensive glass. I think Aiden Shaw did a good job of at least putting in a ton of effort on that end last year. I think a lot of the sort of skinnier Mizzou freshmen, Jordan Butler obviously as well, We're gonna. Ha- it's going to have to be a team thing. We're going to have to put a little bit more emphasis on it, but ultimately the Dennis Gates philosophy, I have to defend it because it's a lot harder to find guys who can score than it is, and guys who can actually put the ball on the floor and do something with it, than it is to find guys who can rebound. It just is. And in, in this day and age, in SEC basketball, if you don't have five guys on the floor who are a threat to score, boy, it just makes it really hard for your entire team to score. And while Missouri may have struck out on some of its biggest, literally speaking, targets in this cycle of the transfer portal, well, High school recruiting continues, of course, and so far it's looking pretty good for the Tigers, including John Bowl, of course, the son of Manute Bowl, former incredibly tall basketball player with the Philadelphia 76ers and Washington Bullets. Back in the day, seven foot six is what he was. Also, John Bowl's brother, Bowl Bowl, also an NBA player with the Orlando Magic. Well, here's what Bowl told Drew King, who was who was covering the EYBL tournament for Power Mizzou the last few days. He says, I love Coach Gates. He's a really, really nice dude. He's real with you. Like, he always tells you what you don't want to hear, but it's true. I feel like Coach Gates is a really, really good coach and can actually, like, do stuff, do a lot of, I can actually do a lot of stuff if I go there. So, the part about that quote that I thought was interesting, obviously, Missouri's been in really early on John Bowl. 
He's taken an official to Missouri and Michigan so far. So Missouri's been on him from the very beginning. Obviously, Missouri, a seven-footer here, a legit seven-footer. It's not as though Gates and company aren't recruiting size if you're worried about that. But the fact that he said that, well, he's a nice guy, but he always tells you the truth whether you want to hear it or not. Again, that's something I think I heard from Kobe Brown on Tiger Talk a few weeks back, too, before the NCAA tournament. Basically, when Mike Kelly asked Kobe, what's the first thing you think of when you think of Dennis Gates? Well, he gave him a, a, a similar answer. He said, what he's telling you is true. Whether you like it or not was kind of the vibe that I like. And that was a, a po- Kobe was saying that in a positive sense, just for the record. So just thought that was an interesting note from a guy who's actually played with Gates and one who's being recruited by him as well. Honesty, nice guy, but sometimes brutal honesty, constructive criticism for sure. And coming up, let's talk about Michael Porter Jr.'s game yesterday and also spurious MVP arguments after these quick words. Oh, by the way, I just realized for some of you, I probably buried the lead here pretty considerably. I'll be honest, I just completely forgot about this, forgot to put it in my notes, but maybe that's a little bit revealing, at least how I feel about this. Parker Brown, former Missouri Tiger, preferred walk-on with Conzo Martin, Parker Brown, in fact, is going to Kansas. Yes, after transferring to, wait, where where was Parker? Was it Pepperdine? I'm sorry, was it Santa Clara? No, that was it. It was Santa Clara. I'm not even going to look it up. Parker played at Santa Clara this past season and did okay, I suppose, at Santa Clara, averaging about eight points per game there, six, five or six rebounds or so. And I don't know, some Missouri fans obviously are a lot more animated about this than I am, that's for sure. You know... Certainly some interesting moments between that I actually described on my podcast back in the day between Parker Brown, some of his family, maybe not being the biggest fans of Conzo Martin in the world. But instead of redoing all of that, I do think it's interesting that Parker Brown, just trivia-wise, has there ever been anybody who's transferred it, at least in men's basketball? I think it's happened in other sports. But in terms of men's basketball, has anybody ever transferred from Missouri to Kansas, or vice versa. Now, granted, obviously, again, Parker had a pit stop in Santa Clara before transferring to Kansas and, you know, not joining his brother. I almost said Christian Brown, of course, played. It played with Kansas last season when they won the national championship, or two seasons ago now, I suppose. Well, speaking of Christian Brown, he is a Denver Nugget now, and he's a teammate of Michael Porter Jr. And Michael Porter Jr. had a good game last night, 3 of 6 from downtown, 50% overall, 15 points, 10 rebounds, and a couple block shots as well. They needed all that production. The Nuggets held on really by kind of a thread a bit at the end of the game. It felt like Jokic, for as amazing as he was, Nikola Jokic, of course, for as amazing as he was, felt like he was wearing down a little bit at the end of the game. Once the Lakers made one key adjustment at the end of the game, as Jeff Van Gundy pointed out, Anthony Davis no longer guarding no longer guarding Jokic, but guarding Aaron Gordon instead, which allowed him to roam around defensively and basically just clog up the paint. Aaron Gordon was in the dunker spot on the baseline. 
So that allowed Davis to not be caught out on the perimeter, which is one thing if you watch the Golden State series. Well, they got a lot of success and good looks basically every time whenever Anthony Davis was up top defensively caught in a pick and roll. So if you're thinking about adjustments, well, maybe you should thank Michael Porter Jr. Maybe offensively it would be better for Denver if they took Aaron Gordon out and essentially played Porter Jr. at the four at times, at least maybe down the stretch, see what that looks like. But I will say the problem with that is now defensively you put yourself in a bind if you're Denver because it's really less about Porter Jr. because he's actually not as bad defensively as he looked you know, famously two or three years ago in the bubble playoffs. He was able to just be isolated and basically abused at times. Well, that's no longer totally the case. He's not a great defender, but I don't think he's nearly as bad as he was two or three seasons ago. But on the other hand, I think Aaron Gordon is a really, really good defender and in particular fits with what Nikola Jokic can't do defensively. Obviously, he's an amazing, amazing offensive player. Defensively, he obviously isn't the quickest guy in the world. And like a lot of five men, including Joel Embiid, well, you can get caught out on an island and look bad against an NBA-level perimeter player. No real surprise there. But to me, Aaron Gordon, he just covers too much ground. He does too much good stuff that... I, I just don't know that putting Porter Jr. into that four spot is really the answer. So if you're Denver, I'll be curious to see what the adjustment is to the to Darvin Ham's adjustment by the Lakers there in the fourth quarter. But to all the people out there who are saying now, well, I can't believe all of you voted for Joel Embiid for MVP. Listen, if you want to argue that Jokic was the MVP, that's fine and dandy. I don't have any problem with that whatsoever, but just come at people at the end of the regular season because this is a regular season award. That's become a bit of a pet peeve with me. I mean, now you're going to make that argument in the playoffs. That, that just gets really lazy. It's easy to say now after Embiid has a bad game and is forced to go home. And again, I say this as somebody who is actually biased toward Jokic over the former Kansas Jayhawk, Joel Embiid. I've loved Jokic since all the way back in the 2016 Olympics. But at the same time, again, you can tell I just hate really bad arguments. And if you're going to make the argument that Jokic is a better player than Embiid, fine. But the MVP argument, well, that's a little bit spurious. Because, in fact, I think even Jokic would tell you Denver didn't play necessarily great basketball the last month or so. I don't think Jokic was really locked in defensively whatsoever. So, again, it's a regular season award. Maybe at this point we should have a regular season MVP and a playoff MVP instead of the finals MVP. I think that would be maybe as good of a compromise as there is. But you know what? Thanks, as always, for listening to Locked on Mizzou and compromising with me today as I went on about the NBA there this last segment. I just can't help myself. I'm going to have to talk about this particular series and probably the Denver Nuggets and Michael Porter Jr. in general until they get eliminated from the playoffs. Again, if you decide to skip that final segment, which it always is going to be a final segment, by the way, hey, no hard feelings whatsoever. But until next time, I'm John Miller, and thanks for listening to Locked on Mizzou. Mizzou.